Hello, go for it, listeners. We are back again with another episode here with your hosts, Elijah Elmore and Nathaniel Velasquez. Boy, Nate, do we have a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, we do. And also, we got another game coming up this weekend. I'm pretty excited. I mean, we're going to touch on last weekend, and obviously, it wasn't a very good game in the beginning. But you know what? Hey, football's football. I'm excited. Yes, man. I tell you, I feel like there are more twists and turns and unexpected results in football than in any other sport in the world. Um, maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. But I, to say the least, did not expect the results of last week's game versus the Jacksonville Jaguars and I I think I'm willing to speak for all of our listener base and Colts Nation and say that they probably did not expect it either so we're going to be getting into um, we're not going to spend the whole podcast talking about last week's episode frankly because it depresses me but we are going to touch on it here in just a little bit but before we do just want to thank everybody for tuning in if you are returning from previous episodes listening to previous episodes we are so happy to have you back thank you so much for enjoying what you hear enough to tune into another episode if you're joining us for the very first time make yourself a home relax get a cup of coffee if coffee's not your thing then you know i don't know make some toast but uh you know we're here to uh jump into some exciting topics and uh move on talk about next week's well, tomorrow's game actually that's that's uh tomorrow we're gonna be talking about keys to the colts bouncing back and beating the vikings for their first game at home along with uh, touching on the titans versus broncos game and a little bit of uh news and action going on with Allen robinson out of chicago so nate before we move on to that would you please start us off with this week's trivia question. Absolutely. Uh, in 2006, what defensive lineman scored in the AFC Championship game? This is back in 2006. Some kids today might think that's ancient history. <laughs> so if it's ancient history, and you're a Colts fan, you should know your history. Yes. So 2006, what defensive lineman scored in the AFC Championship game? One of the single best Colts games of all time, in my opinion. Oh, man. Growing up, that was the best for me. Oh, yeah. I think, I think the whole time I was praying to God and saying, God, please, let the <laughs> to the Super Bowl, please. Don't let us lose the Tom Brady and the Patriots again, please. Uh, so, yeah. Game that will forever be remembered in Colts history. So, let us know what you guys think as we go through this podcast. We do trust you will not use the help of the internet, but you will rely on your Colts history prowess. Don't forget to hit us up on Twitter at GFI Podcast. If you're not already, please follow. And let us know who you think the defensive lineman uh, was who scored in the AFC Championship game. The Colts, obviously, as we know, faced off against Jacksonville Jaguars last week in Jacksonville. And to say the least, Nate, it did not go the way we expected. Um, You know, just to kind of touch on the game from starting from the beginning, the Colts started off lights out. They moved the ball right down the field. I loved what I saw out of Phillip Rivers' first drive. He moved the ball with ease. Um, That first drive, they marched right down the field. Handed off to Neheim Hines. He ends up going in for an early touchdown. Get him up 7-0. Uh, Jacksonville, 
you know, on the on the next drive. They're moving the ball, but penalties stall their drive. They end up having to punt away, and here we are again, moving the ball again. And we're moving right down the field, Nate. So at this point, I'm, like, excited. You know, hey, Phillip Rivers is our guy. This is money well spent so far. I really think, you know, he's going to help catapult our offense and give us that that burst we've needed that we didn't have last year. And things are good. Um, so I guess maybe what I wanted to hit on first were the good things, the things I liked most about this game. Uh, Nate, the things that you liked most about the game. I will just start off with, um, well, I already mentioned him, um, Philip Rivers. I know there were some miscues, and we're going to be talking about that here in just a moment. But, Nate, Philip Rivers gave us back an element to our offense that we did not have last year. We were sorely lacking. As much as I love Jacoby, he played. He, he was too safe with the ball. Philip Rivers, uh, to say the least, looking back on his performance from this past week, he's not afraid to let it rip. And he ended up, he ended up just torching the Jacksonville secondary for most of the game, finished with uh, a completion percentage of around 78% and had over 360 yards of the air and a touchdown. Um, so um, I really, really was impressed and hopeful for the future with Phillip Rivers' performance. I, I don't think he's lost a step. His decision-making needs a little work. And may, perhaps it's just, you know, it's it's early in the season. It's the first game, trying to knock some rust off. And um, I don't know. He's still trying to get in sync with his receivers a little bit more. But I, that's one thing I really liked about uh, about this game. One of the things that I liked. Yeah, and uh, Philip Rivers gave us that energy that we've been missing. It's like Jacoby had energy last year when he was the starter, but this one was like a complete like turnaround of a different um, energy, and it was a good one. It, the way they were moving the ball, you would think Philip Rivers has been with us for a couple of years already, and uh, there was miscues. There's not. Uh, you know, there. Um, don't get me wrong. You know, there were some things where you were like, "Oh, you could tell." You know that he's still not in sync with his receivers, and his receivers are not in sync with him. But overall, to me, I thought it was pretty great, and and I personally believe that um, it's just a little rust. Like, yes, during the game, after the game, I was upset. Uh, I we all believed that we shouldn't have lost. You know, that's fair, but. We, we kind of have to look at that, hey, this is the first game where they're facing somebody else and not their own. So, But with Phillip Rivers, what he did, besides the two interceptions, he played lights out. Yes, he really did. And, I, you know, I think Jacksonville did play better than anyone expected. Everyone's kind of been saying, including myself, that uh, Jacksonville is tanking. And I still believe the back office in Jacksonville is tanking. But uh, I never, ever, ever believe that players and coaching staff um, are out there intentionally losing games. I didn't believe that with the Miami Dolphins last year. I don't believe it with the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. And, I mean, it shows. There were a number of rookies that stood out, um, namely uh, Henderson, their rookie cornerback, who just, I mean, he locked down the the targets that he was uh, guarding, came out with an interception, uh, it was Philip Rivers' first big mistake. He threw it into deep double coverage, trying to get it to T.Y. Hilton. It was a terribly thrown ball, and Henderson was there to snatch it up for his first career interception. And he, you know, he made plays all throughout the game. There was a there was a play late. Uh, it was at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It was third and I don't know six or seven, and Philip Rivers 
gets it out to Paris Campbell. Looks like he's going to get a first down. And Henderson makes one of the best open field solo tackles that mm-hmm. I think I've ever seen by a rookie cornerback. Yeah. He he gets yeah. like his his ability to get as low as he did on that play and just get his shoulder into Paris Campbell's hips and completely stop Campbell from doing anything with the ball. It was an unbelievable play, and you have to give credit where credit is due. Henderson was the um, definitely uh, the defensive player of that game, perhaps maybe the player of that game, um, in oh. spite of how well Gardner Minshew played. Yeah, he, he was, for sure. Yeah, and the way he tackled, man, that's what they're taught. Have your head in front of the player, not behind the player, because more than likely, if your head's behind the player, he, he's going to break that tackle, and he got the first down. But he did textbook tackling. Right there, and I got to give props because I thought there's no way that this rookie is going to look good at all first game, but he looked like he's been in the league for a couple of years already. Yeah, he looked like a veteran. It was it was crazy how much he was prepared, um, you know, and, and so he played well. Of course, uh, Robinson, um, their undrafted rookie free agent running back. Um, yeah. I heard a stat at the beginning of that game where he is only what? What was the stat? basically what they're trying to get at is there have not been very many rookie free agent running backs start a season opener. I think he's the first one in over 30 years to have started, and he's like the fourth one ever or something like that. And, you know, the Colts, you know, their running, their defense against the run got a lot better in the second half. But, man, that first half, Robinson just – decimated the defense he was running all over us and i think throughout the first half he probably had four and a half yards uh, average a carry um and defense just could not stop him he looked good um lavisca chenault looked good um he got open for a couple big ones in that game and so uh and then of course gardner Minshew. i gardner Minshew's a good quarterback and the Colts secondary made him look great um, you know, that was a complaint that I had. I think it's a complaint that all Colts fans had was that, uh, the, the Colts secondary couldn't stop. They couldn't stop anything. They couldn't defend anything. Kenny Moore had one defensed pass for an, in, that he knocked down for an incompletion. And then Gardner Minshew did not in, he completed every other pass he threw for the rest of the game after that point. Um, there were multiple times, Nate, I went back and watched some highlights of the game to, in preparation of this episode, and there were many points where the defensive backs just were not in sync with each other. There were a couple plays where Rocky Sin, uh, you know, he was playing like off man, and he would bounce back into, into, into coverage back where the safeties are, and there, I believe it was Kenny Moore and Bobby Okariki, neither one of them picked up, um, it might have been Chenault over the middle. He was wide open for a very easy first down. There are many plays throughout the game where these defensive backs, namely Rocky Asin and Xavier Rhodes, were they just kind of threw their hands up. Like, you know, I thought you were supposed to have this guy. No, I thought you were supposed to have this guy. And it was just disheartening to watch because there was a, there seemed to be a lot of miscommunication. I'm willing to I'm willing to be you know to stay optimistic right now though. As you said, Nate, it is game one. Um, this this defense is very young. This um, secondary is very young, and they've not played much together. Um, but they need to button it up in a hurry. I've never really been a fan of this bend-don't-break defense by Matt Eberflus either. Personally, um, I've not been a fan 
I, I felt like here for a while, I feel like the, I've always felt like the Colts secondary would thrive on a more aggressive man-to-man style um, defense, at least partially. They play a lot of cushion, off-man, you know, zone coverage that allows for a lot of underneath passes, and it can work as long as your defensive backs are disciplined and they're communicating and they're in sync with each other because the you know Matt Eberflus's defense is designed to not allow for the big plays, not allow for any any huge gains. But when you get your when you get these skill these skill guys out there like Lavisca Chenault and um, you know all these other receivers and running backs that the Jaguars utilized, and you you get them in open space and they start they start making these DBs miss, um, it becomes a problem. But yeah. But you know Gardner Minshew, he played he played exceptional. Uh, nobody, I don't think anybody expected the Jacksonville to play the way they did. But they also didn't expect Indianapolis to play the way that that they did either. Um, the game just it kind of seemed like we got um, worse as the game went along. Offense was moving excellent in the first half. Paris Campbell looked great. He's healthy. He looks so good. Um, he was one of the standouts for the offense. Him and Philip Rivers seem to be really in sync at times. Uh, they seem to have a lot of chemistry going on. There are multiple gains for ten plus yards where Paris Campbell got open over the middle and Philip Rivers caught him um, on like a crossing route for like a 10, 15 yard gain. There were multiple plays like that, and um, I really liked what I saw out of Paris Campbell. But it seemed like the offense stalled in the second half, and the defense just couldn't stop anything. Yeah, going back to the secondary, you were saying they're young. It's like that's correct. They were very young, and definitely uh, miscommunications was going on. And I guess the one thing that was sort of encouraging with Matt, what Matt Eberflus said, is that they were trying different things um, during the game than they have in the past. So in a way, that's a good thing because you know normally it's you know the four three defense, it's a zone defense. Like you know exactly that's what the Colts are going to do. But I guess during the game, they were like, okay, we've been practicing this, so let's try this. And obviously, that's probably where the miscommunications came in when they were trying something new. So in a way, it's encouraging, but obviously during the game, it was uh, disencouraging. And um, with Matt Eberflus, though, going back to him, um, if you remember Ron Meeks from back in the early 2000s where he was the defensive coordinator and he played the 4-3 bend bend but don't break defense but that wasn't his philosophy his philosophy was still to try to get the offense the opposing offense to go three and out it's like he 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 has like a he had a different mind set about his 4-3 defense and with Ron Meeks he also um switch things around. He wasn't always playing the four, three. And, um, maybe Matt Eaterflu should call the guy and be like, Hey, what do I need to do here? Because I'm trying to do the same defense you did, but for some reason you had success more than I am. And right now I, I can say what Matt Eaterflu doesn't have is a Dwight Freeney or Robert Mathis. That's yeah. definitely 100%. And that's what made it work. And also you had a middle linebacker that was a great communicator in Gary Brackett. And I'm not saying um, Leonard isn't a great communicator, but for some reason he still makes mistakes. And and he's even admitted that he made mistakes in a, a in, in play calling. Um, Darius Leonard did. And then you also don't have that safety like a Bob Sanders or a Antoine Bethea. 
So it's like you're missing those key pieces and and those places. And that's what was discouraging for the first game. And we all had high hopes for the defense. We had high hope for, hopes for everything. We had high hopes for uh, DeForest Buckner. And he didn't show up until later. And we had high hopes for um, Philip Rivers, who succeeded, but also didn't succeed because of his interceptions. And then when we went down on that fourth and one, I mean, I don't know about you, uh, Quentin Nelson did not look healthy at all. Like, he didn't look like the same player that we all know and love and that everybody feared. Because on that fourth and one, his guy just got annihilated him. The guy across from him annihilated him. And that's how uh, Naheem Hines didn't get the first down. Yeah. But and in that's any rare. Ca- that's rare. He Very rarely is- will you see Quentin Nelson um, be overpowered. And we did very well um, pass blocking for Philip Rivers. Like, I was not, like, cringing, you know, being like, oh, boy, here comes a hit. Oh, here comes the hit. Because normally Jacoby Brissett would hold it so long that a defender would come out of nowhere and just whack him. But with Philip Rivers, it was a one, two, three. He still got protection. And then if he's, his primary guy ain't open, he'll get rid of the ball to a running back or to the tight end which was awesome. It's something we just haven't seen in a while, probably since Peyton Manning's days. I mean, come on, right. <laughs> not, not to discourage Andrew Luck or anything, but th- that's what we were been missing forever is that guy that's been aggressive and knows how to work the offense. But in any case, it was a good game. We were all upset, obviously, that we lost. We shouldn't have lost. But come on, guys, we're, we're 0-1, not 0-16. Right. We still got... Well- plenty of games left and uh uh let's just continue go uh, uh cheering for our guys absolutely and uh real quickly before we move on i i always want to put you know put a put the brakes on with a lot of colts fans as as great as you know the colts fans are we tend to overreact and and you know what i mainly mean in this case is i started hearing rumors the other day as for some videos i was watching um, the Colts fans were were wondering if Matt Eberflus should be fired after one game, you know, because the defense underperformed, and that is an extremely that's an extreme overreaction um, to the defense. Now, yes, they did not play well. The defense did not play well at all. Um, they were a big part of the reason why we lost that game, um, you know, but. It's way too early to start talking about firing coordinators. Matt Eberflus, historically, um, over the last three seasons, he has his defenses have not started well. Last year, Nate, I don't know if you remember last year, the defense kind of seemed like they were getting off to a slow start. And Darius Leonard, you know, went out for three games really early in the season with a concussion. And things didn't really seem to be clicking. And then by the time they got to week three or four, and definitely by the time they got to the Chiefs game last year, the defense was clicking on all cylinders. And there for, you know, four or five weeks, they looked great. Um, it just seems like it takes Matt Eberflus's defense a few games to really get in stride. So I don't want us to overreact. I want to keep the expectations realistic here. Um, so... Real quickly before we move on, as far as I'm concerned, the two biggest takeaways, the two things that cost, um, the two biggest things that cost the Colts the game, in my opinion, was the poor defensive play and Phillip Rivers' 
two terrible decisions, both interceptions being thrown into into double coverage, um, and were easily picked off. One was one resulted in a touchdown. The other interception um, stopped a a drive late in the fourth quarter, and and those interceptions killed us. Philip Rivers, as great as he played on every other front, he has to protect the ball. He has to make better decisions. And lastly, um, you know, we got to run the ball more than twenty three times. I know Marlon Mack got hurt early on, but we still averaged after Marlon Mack left. We still averaged about four yards a carry. That's plenty. That's plenty of cushion to keep running the ball. There's no reason why we should have stopped running the football. There's no reason why Philip Rivers should throw the ball 46 times while only having 23 rushes on the day. So you know we got to do those things better. Um, and uh, moving forward, we will be talking about that more in terms of what we need to do better <clears throat> in our. Um, in our segment coming up here with the three keys to victory uh, for tomorrow against the Vikings. So the Chicago Bears, they can't seem to get a deal done with their star receiver, Allen Robinson, which is a big deal. And, you know, anytime, especially in the receiving department, in relation to the Colts, anytime a big name comes available, you know, there's always talks of how the Colts will approach the situation. I did it with uh, Delaney Walker, um, who was uh, not expected to sign with Tennessee back earlier this offseason. We needed help on, you know, on the tight end group. Obviously, we didn't end up doing that. We went out and got Trey Burton. Um, but, <clears throat> um, but, you know, I'm always keeping my eyes, and Nate, I know you're always keeping your eyes open, um, in this free agent market, specifically with receivers, because we know receivers, the receiver position has been an issue um, here lately, just mainly due to depth, not because we don't have talent out there. It's just like we don't have enough of it. So, yeah. um, so the question here is, should the Colts go after Allen Robinson? Should we try to trade for Allen Robinson? Nate, what's your take? I say no, because he doesn't make us better at all. We have the depth already. It's like just adding him is somewhat depth, a depth move, and we don't need that. He would just end up being on the practice squad, and he doesn't make us better. Like Again, like I said, and uh, Alan Robinson, he's asking for a lot of money. He's asking for probably Julio Jones money. He's probably asking for uh, Thomas money. It's like, no, he hasn't made that big of an impact for him. He's had only 1,000-yard uh, receiving year, and, and no – Definitely not. I love Michael Pittman. He showed promise um, last game. Obviously, Paris Campbell had a big game. T.Y. Hilton, still T.Y. Hilton. And uh, no, definitely not. And you're bringing up Darius Fountain. So obviously, Allen Robinson is not in the Colts' eyes because they love who they have right now. And I love who we have right now. There's no way I'd want to get somebody else that doesn't make us better. Like T.Y. Hilton's better than Allen Robinson. I'd say Michael Pittman, Darius Fountain, uh, uh, Patman is better. Like, no, there's no way. Sorry, Allen Robinson, you're not getting money from the Indianapolis Colts. Well, I'm kind of in the same boat that you are. Um, I I think Allen Robinson is is a really good receiver. I don't think he's Julio Jones good or Michael Thomas good. But I'm kind of where you are. I don't really see a reason for the Colts to go after Allen Robinson for the same reasons that Nate just mentioned, so I won't rehash those. Uh, what I'm kind of looking at with this is, who do we trade? Like, Because like you just said, Nate, I like everybody we have. Uh, and, and we've built this team. Chris Ballard has built this team 
from the ground up through the draft mainly. Uh, there are not a whole lot of outside free agents that we've signed and they've come in here and they're starting now. There's not a whole lot of them. Most of our team that is starting out there and that we uh, transition, they were drafted to Indianapolis, and that was Chris Ballard's goal from the get-go. I feel like to Chris Ballard, trading you know, trading really any of our players um, that we would have to trade in order to get Allen Robinson is about as devastating to him as, as trading away draft picks because he spent those coveted valuable draft picks on these guys to get them to Indianapolis to grow that culture from the ground up. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to get rid of anybody else in order to get Allen Robinson. I'm not convinced that Allen Robinson would make us better. Um, if Allen Robinson was a star tight end, I would I would give it more consideration because, <laughs> Jack, you know, Jack Doyle, Jack Doyle, he's out. He's out for at least this week. And we're down to our third and fourth string tight ends, essentially. So tight end is a different story, perhaps. But even still, it, it, they would have to be awful good, and it would depend on what we had to get rid of in order to acquire a star tight end. But Allen Robinson's not a tight end. He's a receiver, like you said, Nate, with only one 1,000-yard uh, receiving year notched on his belt. I don't see any reason why the Colts should go after Allen Robinson. You mentioned tight end. Uh, maybe that's something the Colts should consider. Maybe. Just depending on what teams are asking for for a tight end. And to, I think they should have drafted a tight end in the draft. I do too. But obviously they didn't. And they obviously like Mo Ali Cox and his movement in the year. And Jack Doyle obviously still being there. And um, Trey Burton, they went got, went and got Trey Burton in free agency and liked what he had. But obviously injury bug kind of got him again. And he's on IR for at least three weeks. And uh, I think that should be... A little bit of a consideration at tight end. Yes, I I agree. Um, it's just deeply concerning. Anytime you're down to your third and fourth string players on the depth chart, uh, that's reason for concern. Um, that's not throwing shade at Mo Ali Cox. I, I'm I'm really happy to have Mo Ali Cox in Indianapolis. I really like Mo Ali Cox. I don't know much about this other guy, but we need help at tight end. Frank Reich is notorious for utilizing tight ends in his offensive schemes, and you gotta you gotta wonder if maybe he's going to feel limited at that position. He's gonna he probably is going to feel limited at that position uh, tomorrow, um, just because we're missing Trey Burton and Jack Doyle. It's just it's it's tough. Tight end is a totally different story, and we could spend a lot of time on that. But um, yeah, if I think the Colts need to keep their ears open for possible trade moves with at tight end position for sure. But as far as Allen Robinson is concerned, Nate. You won't hear any argument from me on this issue. I, I think the Colts stay away from this one. So last week, the Tennessee Titans faced off against Denver Broncos. You might be wondering, hey, this doesn't have anything to do with the Colts. Why are you talking about them? Well, if you remember from last week's episode, or if you did not tune into last week's episode, then um, we started a new segment called Keeping Up With The South. And any game involving an, a divisional opponent does, either directly or indirectly, affect the Indianapolis Colts. Nate, I was hoping, after the Texans lost, after we lost to Jacksonville, I was really rooting for Denver. Man, I was rooting for Denver. And <laughs> <laughs> I did not want Tennessee to start out 1-0. Didn't want it to happen. It was just kind of the, the dagger in the back and twisted and turned to, to, to make me feel even more pain. But... Uh, and it kind of looked like at first Denver was going to kind of run away with it. Drew Locke got off to a hot start. Uh, Melvin Gordon played well. 
And as I mentioned in last week's episode, I'm a heavy believer in Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke is going to be really, really good in the NFL, and he's already off to a good start. Um, You know, so Denver moved the ball well early. Then the game kind of stalled and kind of slowed down, and, uh, you know, Tennessee ended up winning this game 16-14. to It was close, but Ryan Tannehill played well. He threw a lot, but he played well. 249 yards, two passing touchdowns, and then, of course, the workhorse for this team, Derrick Henry, 31 rushes for 116 yards. Absolutely no surprise there. Uh, obviously, they, you know, Mike Vrabel and this team, they are very much, um, they are very much equipped at the running back position, and they are ready to use that weapon and and basically put the team on Henry's back. So, um, which you know, the Colts. As this relates to the Colts, Nate, uh, running def- rushing defense did not look great against Jacksonville. And we can only hope as the season progresses that changes and they get better. But definitely the, the key to stopping Tennessee is making them one-dimensional and taking away their running game, which is hard to do. Yeah. Uh, and A.J. Brown didn't really have a good game. I think he only had two catches. But Corey Davis kind of took that away for him. And mm-hmm. I think he had seven catches and over a hundred and something yards and, um, a touchdown if I, if I'm not mistaken, or I could be wrong, but anyway, uh, yeah. Th- our, with how the Colts played Sunday, if we were to face them this weekend, everybody would be hoping and praying and being on their knees and saying, please do not let this happen to the Colts again against the Titans where they just kill us against the run and then the play action and they're killing us against the pass. And it's like, we might as well not even watch the Colts game. We know how it's going to (laughs) be. And I know, I know how I would react if I'm watching the Colts game and I know that they're just getting demolished. I'll just stop watching. It's like, what's the (laughs) point? Like I know because the defense can't stop anybody. Um, But in any case, I'm I'm thinking positive. I'm trying to, like I said in the beginning, give the Colts a break. You know, it was the first game last week. They, I believe they, they're going to get better. They're going to, st- um, the defense is going to stop the run better. They're going to defend the pass better because uh, and I don't want to go off topic, but the Vikings are a running, um, running um, team too. So if you can't stop the run, then they're going to go all over us. So the uh, same with the Titans. Um, if we can't stop the Titans, then it's going to be a long year. Uh, we're not going to be um, champions of the AFC South. We probably won't even make it into the playoffs just because our defense can't do anything. Uh, but the Titans did have their own little mess-ups here and there. They did not look sharp as what the um, stats look. And obviously, in 16-14, to 14, it, it kind of speaks for itself that it wasn't that much of a clean <clears throat> but in in any case it, it just kind of shows that the AFC South is still pretty much open right and so yeah I mean and the fact that the Titans didn't blow the Broncos out of the water is encouraging like I said Broncos started off very well it was a really close game Broncos are a young team they got a great defense so you know the Titans understandably didn't score um, a whole lot of points but like you said Nate, pretty much every other team out there is in the same boat as the Colts. They're all knocking the rust off, and and they're not going to be completely sharp quite yet. Had a short offseason, no preseason. So they're still trying to get acclimated, get back into uh, the swing of things here. 
But I, I definitely am still optimistic that the Colts, because I, I, I really think the Titans are the Colts's, are the Colts' stiffest uh, opposition in the AFC South. Even though Jacksonville um, beat the Colts, I still don't expect Jacksonville to uh, make the playoffs, much less win the division. So, um, and so with that being said, Titans being our stiffest competition, I am optimistic uh, that the Colts can still be competitive against them. And you mentioned the Vikings, which is a perfect segue into our next topic, which is our three keys to victory tomorrow against the Minnesota Vikings. You know, always uh, there are a few key things that a team has to do in order to um, attain victory. And that's not going to be any different for the Colts uh, going into this game. The Vikings, you know, they lost last week. They're looking, you know, they're looking to win too. They're wanting to get their first win. They do not want to start 0-2 any more than the Colts do. So they're going to be fighting. They're they're still an extremely potent team. Although they lost to the Packers, the Packers had to put up 40-plus points to beat them. Uh, Vikings still scored 34 points. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. He, he's not always consistent, but he's a good quarterback. Dalvin Cook is a great running back. They have a multidimensional offense. Defense generally is good. Uh, they were Their defense was really good last year. And so, you know, this is no easy task by any means. And they, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in our initial predictions during the offseason, you have the Colts, you had the Colts losing this game, correct? Yes. And there, I mean, that's, that's, that's no, that's not even a hot take. The Vikings are a good team. And just because they lost last week and the defense wasn't able to stop Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's Aaron Rodgers. He would definitely look like an MVP <laughs> last week did he did he not i mean he did he, did. he, he looked so good uh, i think it, i think it was a statement game i really do you know packers go i know i'm getting off topic here packers are going they go after jordan love and, and aaron Rodgers. like hey uh don't forget why you have me here and so he did decimate the vikings last week but you know do not underestimate the minnesota vikings um i obviously as the way last week's game went we know what happens when you uh, underestimate uh, an opposing team. So, but without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and lead off with my three keys uh, for the Colts to achieve victory against Minnesota Vikings for their debut home game of the season. First, I wanted to mention the run game. Um, Nate, I was just massaging my temples as the second half of the Jacksonville game got underway. Because, and I love Frank Reich. I love his decision-making. I love the way he he coaches the game. Uh, I love how tenacious and how aggressive he is. But, and he had his reasons. But I don't think they were good reasons. Um, For us to only run the ball 23 times. And, you know, obviously Marlon Mack went down with injury towards Achilles. Um, he was out for, he went out fairly early in that game. And so, you know, perhaps that affected Frank Reich's play calling in terms of the, uh, in terms of calling up run plays. But even after, even after Marlon Mack went off the field for the rest of the game, we were still moving the ball on the ground. Jonathan Taylor was struggling a little bit. Uh, that defensive line of Jacksonville was was surprising, uh, was surprisingly giving us fits, um, and was closing up running lanes. But I, I just real I can't help but, but believe that if we took off just even ten passes off of Philip Rivers and you know made those running plays instead, 
um, strategically. I feel like that would have changed the dynamic of last of last week. I feel like it would have changed the dynamic of the offense. That would have kept Philip Rivers more fresh. It would have limited some of his mistakes. Um, it would have kept us more even. Would have kept the defense honest. And we were still. It's not like we weren't moving the ball. We were still moving the ball. Um, and so I've rambled on long enough about that. My point in mentioning all of that is we have to run the ball more than 23 times. We have to get into a rhythm early. This power run scheme is the is the centerpiece that ties this offense together. Even if Phillip Rivers is you know on a roll and he seems to be running and he seems to be completing passes and 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 moving the ball, we have to have a balanced scheme. That's who the Colts are um, in the Frank Reich era, and we can't get away from that. We cannot get away from our identity. So we have to run the ball more than 23 times. Give Neheim Hines uh, and Jonathan Taylor a chance to make something happen. Get them in a rhythm early. Open up some running lanes. Get their confidence up, uh, and then open up option for play action pass for Rivers, which is where he excels, which leads me into my second key to the Colts' victory uh, for tomorrow, is um, you got to find a way to limit Phillip Rivers' bad decisions. He has to find a way to limit his bad decisions. The He played great when he wasn't throwing to the Jacksonville cornerbacks. Um, he you know threw for over 360 yards. He had a 78 completion percentage. He played great. He was moving the ball all day long. He was just dissecting the Jacksonville secondary. And then there were two passes. Actually, there were three, but one got called back because Jacksonville doesn't know how to not um, commit penalties. Um, but the two interceptions that Phillip Rivers had, they weren't. it wasn't even like, okay, it's a 50-50 ball, it's 1v1, and the Jacksonville secondary just made a phenomenal play. It, it wasn't even that. Uh, he he threw he put the ball in a position that it should not have been on both interceptions. Uh, both interceptions uh, were um, receivers that were in double coverage, and Philip Rivers just should not have put the ball there. And um, you know this is what he was critiqued on last year. He threw twenty interceptions last year. That's what everyone was critiquing him on last year. And you know there are some people being like, "Hey, I told you so." Blah 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 blah. I'm not you know I'm not jumping on that train. But I am, I am just simply saying, Philip Rivers has to make better decisions. He has to make better reads against a better Vikings team than Jacksonville. Like that's the daunting thing about this. Jack, uh, Minnesota is better than Jacksonville in all in all regard, and so Philip Rivers is going to have to take care of the football. Lastly, we cannot let the Vikings offense get in a rhythm. We can't let this be another week of poor defensive play. We cannot let Dalvin Cook get off to a quick start like Robinson did for Jacksonville last week. Uh, we cannot allow him to break a couple early runs and get into a rhythm and have 50, 60-plus yards before the half. Um, we, we, we have to play better stingy uh, defense in the secondary and, uh, you know, and on the line. we got to get to Kirk Cousins. We can't let him get in the rhythm. We definitely can't allow a, a quarter, another quarterback for a second week in a row to only have one incomplete pass the entire game. That cannot happen. The defense has to step it up. They have to watch a lot of film, study, condition, figure out what went horribly wrong against Jacksonville, and they have to fix it. Otherwise, this Vikings offense is going to eat our defense alive if we have another performance like we did last week. So just to recap... Before I hand uh, the mic over to Nate here, um, you got to establish good running presence. Phillip Rivers can't make um, these bad decisions that he made against Jacksonville, and we cannot allow the Vikings offense to get into a rhythm either in the run game or passing the football.
those are good takes and you kind of went more individually i kind of went more as a group as an everybody (laughs) and uh my number uh, number three take is let's play some clean football there's been penalties for the, uh, the at the wrong time like in a critical time and situation we commit a penalty we can't do that and then same with philip rivers throwing the football into coverage, you know, when he shouldn't. And he obviously cost the Colts a, uh, a, a series, a drive, you know, we could have scored, we could have got something out of it, but obviously in a situation like that, it wasn't a clean football move. Um, number two defense needs to be better. It has to be better because if we can't stop Dalvin cook, then we can't stop Adam Thielen. And if we can't stop Adam Thielen, that means that Kirk Cousins is going to have a phenomenal game. So the defense needs to be better. Darius Leonard, if you're wanting to get the 40-plus 40, 40 um, turnovers, need to start now because you definitely didn't do it last last weekend. So you need to do it now, Darius Leonard. You better keep your word because you've been promising to us that this defense is going to be top top five, top, top uh, number one in the league. You better start now. And then number one, let's run the ball more. Running the ball more is good for Philip Rivers. That's less interceptions. That's good for Philip Rivers because he can do play action pass on it. And then that means T.Y. Hilton will get the ball a little bit more. It might get Paris Campbell even more touches. It get it'll get everybody involved. This will be another unstoppable week for the offense. And they just need to um, capitalize on that. Last weekend, yes, we were moving the ball, but we did not capitalize on scoring because if we did. It would be probably 34-14, and we wouldn't be talking about a loss. We'd be talking about a victory. So let's run the ball more. Let's get everybody involved after that, and we will be unstoppable this weekend and capitalize on those touches. Excellent take, Nate. Those are our three keys, um, the things that Colts have to do right in order to beat a very good Minnesota Vikings team. Let us know over on Twitter, at GFI Podcast, what your three keys to the Colts' victory um tomorrow against the vikings will be uh, we're very anxious to see what uh, you guys think the colts need to do better or what they need to execute properly in order to win this game in other nfl news and it's still really colts news um and it's it's exciting news uh maybe maybe i've been slightly negative at times <laughs> about the colts from their game this past week but um but you know moving over to some positivity here Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, and Jeff Saturday are among 130 finalists for the 2021 Pro Football Hall of Fame class. This is, I mean, this is no um, surprise. Um, I mean, Dallas Clark, uh, I'm happy to see him there, but I I didn't really think about, I didn't really expect him to be in this conversation right now. Although he was a great tight end, I don't mean that in any disrespect. I love Dallas Clark. I loved watching him play. He was an electric tight end to watch. Um, he was a, a different tight end to watch. Um, very exciting player, but I didn't really see Dallas Clark. Jeff Saturday, I'm surprised it's it's been this long for him. But overall, as we know, last year Reggie Wayne um, was a finalist for the Pro Football, consider- Pro Football Hall of Fame consideration. He, even Reggie Wayne says that he was um, very surprised. Uh, by how far he got, he did not expect to even get nominated, much less get as far as he did in the in the in the finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And of course, uh, to nobody's surprise, Peyton Manning, um, he will easily, easily be a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
Um, he's definitely getting inducted this year. There's no way that won't happen. Um, I look for Reggie Wayne to get inducted this year. I look for Jeff Saturday to get inducted. We may, we might just see three Colts in the hall of fame in the hall of 2021 hall of fame class this year. Dallas Clark. Uh, I don't know the other competition. I don't know who else has been nominated. I've not done a very good job of keeping up with that news, but um, I'm sure the competition is stiff as it always is. So uh, I would love to see all four of these guys make it this year. Um, they're all going to end up in the Hall of Fame. If you know, um, if it's not this year for all of them, they will all end up in the Hall of Fame. But uh, I'd love to see all four of them in there. Um, and I think they have a good shot, at least especially with Jeff Saturday, Reggie Wayne, and uh, Peyton Manning. So very, very big congratulations to them from the Go For It family. And uh, I'm, I'm just happy to see this. Yeah, Reggie Wayne last year was first eligibility, and he said, like you said, he was very surprised that he made it as far as he did. In a way, I was as well, but then again, I shouldn't because after Marvin Harrison left, Reggie Wayne was the guy, and he looked like the guy. And um, and it also wasn't because of it being from Peyton Manning. It was also from Andrew Luck. It was also from Matt Hasselback. It was also from uh, Drew Stan. Drew Stan. He had a couple of quarterbacks out there that he ended up helping. So it wasn't just Peyton Manning. Um, Dallas Clark. It's been a while. I mean, it's been I think over ten years. You know, and this is his first time being nominated. I think so. That's mm-hmm. pretty exciting for Dallas Clark. And then. For Jeff Saturday, probably about been seven years. So, hey, these guys would totally deserve it. It'd be awesome if it was all four that would get into the Hall of Fame. And we should play if, you know, Lord willing, if there is a preseason next year, we should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. I mean, four players going in. Why not? (laughs) But last year, or not even last year, um, earlier this year, we were talking about how cool it would be if Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne got in. Well, how could it, cool would it be if it was all four of them? Yeah, I mean, this 2006 Super Bowl team. Um, it would just be poetic if all Nate, you got me. You got me so excited right now. <laughs> uh, it would be so poetic if all four of these guys made it in together this year. It would be that'd be awesome. It'd be great. It'd be fantastic. And um, and Dallas Clark. I mean, I'm not trying to put the guy down. I might think it'll be a while for him just because of how big the names are that are in this um, uh, class. But then again, who knows? He's waited for act over, over 10 years or at least 10 years. It yeah. probably is for him to get into the hall of fame. It'll be, it'll be awesome. I'll be happy. I'll be happy for all four, four of them. Obviously Peyton Manning is he's in, he's a shoe in there, mm-hmm. there's no hat hoping he gets in. He's in, he, he's a first ballot. And if he doesn't get in, then something's definitely wrong with the system. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have zero fears. Um, he will be a unanimous vote. I'll tell you that. So, so you know, definitely big congratulations to them for sure. So happy as Colts fans. This brings back a lot of, a lot of memories. So um, I definitely, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm rooting for all of them, obviously. Hoping they all get voted in. So before we finish up this segment and we reveal the answer to this week's trivia question, we started a segment last week called Colts of the Game. We gave our predictions on um, Colt, on who we thought the playmaker would be for the Colts in Week 1. Nate, I think this player, which we have unanimous, unanimously agreed on, um, I don't think either of us saw the kind of impact that he would have. Um, and that is Neheim Hines. 
Um, you know, obviously, Hines got off to a fantastic start in this game. I was blown away. In the first half, he had two touchdowns, one receiving touchdown and one rushing touchdown. And he was just a constant presence. When Marlon Mack went down, he was getting called up for uh, more running plays than he, he usually gets. And, you know, he wasn't making, like, any elite impact. Granted, as I mentioned earlier, we stopped running the football. But, you know, he was still making his presence known. And he just came through so much for the Colts when they needed him to. This guy is such a well-rounded and um, diverse player. Obviously, he's utilized on special teams. He's utilized heavily in the pass game. And then on select running plays, uh, he's utilized on those plays as well. And he's just he's a great player. I'm so happy to have Hines in Indianapolis. And uh, I, don't think it's, I, don't, I don't think it's any competition that Hines was the Colt of the game. Yep, and... Um... We both agreed as well that Paris Campbell was a close second. I would have chose him to be the Colt of the game if he had some touchdowns. Yes. And I, and this is no no disregard to what Naeem Hines did, but Paris Campbell, man, he, he would he he would have to be also like the comeback player of the game right now, um, if he scored some touchdowns. Because no one thought he would be that wide open at times. No one thought that he'd be that aggressive in catching the ball. Like, he caught the ball from Phil Rivers where Phil Rivers had somebody in his face and Phil Rivers just <clears throat> tossed it towards Paris Campbell where he's, in a way, pretty much covered. But Phil Rivers put it right in the spot where it needed to be and Paris Campbell caught it and it was a fantastic catch. And, um, like I said, if he had a couple of touchdowns or just even one touchdown, I would have probably called him the player of the game. Or we'd, me and you would probably have a debate or something about it. <laughs> Campbell. But we both agreed it was Naeem Hines, and obviously Paris Campbell was a close second. Yeah. Congratulations, Naeem Hines. We did not expect you to be the player of the game. Um, Elijah, I believe me and you agreed it would be T.Y. Hilton. Yes. Or No, we said Marlon Mack. We said well, Marlon yeah, Mack. For the Colts of the game, we said Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack, correct. Yeah. And... Uh, we didn't think it'd be him, so congratulations to him. Um, my cold of the game for this week, it's gonna it's gonna be T.Y. Hilton. It has to be. He <laughs> he he ended up missing two crucial catches for the last drive of the game that could have got us a touchdown to tie the game to go to overtime. And he admitted, "I'm the play. I'm the wide receiver for the Colts." I need to make those plays. I have to. That's what's requested of me, and that's the standard that I hand myself. I'm the leader of this team, and I totally failed my team. This is all on me. So I believe this weekend T.Y. Hilton's going to go off on the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, T.Y. is such a focused player, and he's such a disciplined player. You can you see that in the way he plays the game. And honestly, that for, that uh, that fourth down play late with less than a minute to go i thought ty caught the ball and then i saw it roll out uh, roll roll out of the sideline granted you know henderson was all over him on that play henderson made a great play but I, I definitely thought for a moment that ty came down with the ball and um it was just disheartening when i saw that ball roll out of the sideline but ty is so hard on hard on himself he's a hard worker he always has been since he's been in the league since before he's been in the league in college he was as well and so i I love that pick. I really love that pick because I think T.Y. is going to, you know, he, he made some good plays last week, but he was relatively quiet. I think he's ready to get his first breakout game of the season. 
So I, I could definitely see him being the cult of the game. But Nate, I'm high up on Paris Campbell right now. I loved what I saw out of Paris Campbell. I What happened to him last year was so devastating. There was a lot of hype building up around him um, for what he was doing in training camp last year. And, you know, he showed some sparks of, of brilliance on the field. And he just, he got hurt way too early. Um, and he just, he, you know, he dealt with injury problems for the rest of the year last year. And he just wasn't able to make the impact that we all believed he would make. And week one against Jacksonville kind of gave us a hint, I think, at what is to come for Paris Campbell. And I could see Paris Campbell having his first career 100-yard game against Minnesota um, and notching uh, his first receiving touchdown of the year as well. Obviously, Frank Reich is willing to use him in the running game a little bit too. That uh, that around sweep that they did, um, and with our offensive line's ability to be able to you know run in stride with our runners and and open up lanes, um, I think he's definitely valuable on that front as well. His his open field speed, his burst speed is just unbelievable. When he gets an open field, you just can't catch him. So that, let's, uh, let's just have no more flexing. Let's yeah, have- yeah. I wasn't gonna bring it up, but it's hard not to think about it, especially when you talk about his solo running play. You can't be doing that, man. I know he got popped, and I understand it was like a big play. He was adrenaline, adrenaline was probably pumping, and he wanted to show he wanted to show this guy that you know, hey, he didn't he didn't get him down. He didn't he didn't uh, he didn't get under his skin. But uh, you know, you gotta be you gotta be more professional than that. <laughs> uh, my guy out here out here flexing on defenders like that. <laughs> so, but. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm a believer in Paris Campbell, man. And I love the T.Y. Hilton pick. I really do. And I was tempted to go T.Y. myself. But I I have to stick with Paris Campbell for this game. I think he is really going to stand out. Well, you see, yeah, um, with um, Jack Doyle and hope he gets better soon and fast. Uh, me and you could be right. I mean, it could go either way because a tight end besides Mo Ali Cox, I don't even know who that guy is and what his stats are. Yeah. So more than likely, it's either Mo Ali Cox is going to have a breakout game or it's going to be Paris Campbell or T.Y. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's Naheem again. Maybe Naheem Hines is going to uh, have a show like he did last weekend. Or Another maybe two touchdowns? Imagine if, if that happens. And then Jonathan Taylor. Maybe Jonathan Taylor steps up. We We just don't know. We just know that tight ends might not be that heavily involved unless – Unless uh, Frank Wright thinks, oh, if people think we're not going to do that, then you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to get tight ends involved. And, you know, they would just shock the world because obviously Mo Ali Cox has not been in the Colts passing game for much. I mean, he's a tank when he catches the ball, though. Yeah, he's he is. A tank. The dude's ball. huge. <laughs> yeah. And everybody still remembers that one handed catch from two Ooh. years ago. Yeah. Man, it's amazing. But yeah, me and you, I we're on the same page. We think it's going to be a wide, at least a wide receiver that should have a breakout game. Absolutely. So to finish out this segment, first of all, if I need to even say it again, on Twitter at GFI Podcast, let us know who you think will be the breakout cult of the game. So Nate, you want to reveal the answer to this week's trivia question. Right, ancient history. If you guys know your history, this should have been easy. 
or maybe it's not and you had to go all the deep in those ancient archives to pull this out in 2006 what defensive lineman scored in the afc championship game no it wasn't jeff saturday because he's an offensive lineman and but he did score a touchdown congratulations to jeff saturday a throwback but it was dan klecko defensive lineman number 61 he also had a touchdown catch in the last game of the 2006 season against the Miami Dolphins. <clears throat> so it wasn't his first ever touchdown catch. It was his second. So Dan Klecko was the answer. <laughs> I remember watching that play and I'm like, man, they got this they got this big guy going out here in the in the flat. He's ready to catch this, he's ready to catch this ball. <laughs> hey, he like, when he caught the ball and when he landed in the end zone, he looked like he was jumping into the pool. Like that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> Doing a cannonball into the end zone. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that I have so many great memories about that game. So, yes, Dan Klecko. What a throwback. Great question, Nate. So, without further ado, that is all we have for this week's episode. Let us know what you think over on our Twitter page. Let's, let's continue the conversation over there with any questions or any topics, anything you want to discuss. Let's continue the conversation over there. We always love to interact with fellow Colts fans, see what everybody has to say um, about this team that we love so much. Um, so let us know what you think over there. If you have enjoyed what you've heard and you have conversations like Nate and I have here with your friends or family, whatever the case may be, or you just want to show all your friends and relatives a couple goons talking about the Indianapolis Colts week to week, you know, then, hey, go show them, share it on your social media. Uh, make sure to follow and subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to podcasts on. That greatly helps us out. And we're happy to have you here. Um, and we're happy to, um, have anybody who chooses to listen to us again thank you all so much for choosing to tune in to this week's episode it's colts time baby tomorrow's a big game against minnesota we cannot afford to start oh and two so let's go get it let's go for it and we will see you next week i changed my mind they're gonna win i feel it i just got this gut (laughs) i like it i'll I'll allow that i'll allow that (laughs) all right everybody we'll see you next week Later, later. Go Colts.